When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. everyone and welcome to another episode of 100 words or less the podcast i'm your host ray harkins i'm sitting here in a beautiful hotel room here in las vegas nevada at the win if you haven't stayed here stay here it's spectacular and for all of you vegetarian vegans out there they have incredible food here so yeah just a little plug i wish they would have uh, caught me this room you know but uh, no big deal i'll get there at some point anyways excuse me i'm a little tired i've been working a lot recently been traveling been handling a lot of stuff with the family so you know juggling a lot tends to do a little wear and tear on the body and the mind and the soul but I'm replenishing it. I'm doing my best. And that's why I'm talking to you, because I am bringing you a very deep and insightful conversation with someone you probably wouldn't expect to be on the show. John O'Callaghan, ever-looming professionalism, always infiltrates these episodes with the fact that I can't pronounce the guest's name right. But anyways, I'm going to go on record and say that this is probably the way to say his name. John O'Callaghan from the band The Main. So for those of you that care about, you know, pop, warp tour type stuff, The Main you are absolutely familiar with. But he is a little bit of left of center guest than what you might typically find on this show cuz you know, I tend to tread in the you know, hardcore punk world and you know, sometimes I obviously am able to bring different guests in and John was exactly one of them because well, I'll tell you that story in a minute. Let's get some business pleasantries out of the way, then we'll get back into it. So visit 100wordspodcast.com, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I was going to wish our producer a very happy vacation, and I'm doing my best to make sure that he doesn't have to do any work on this podcast while he's on vacation. So everybody wish Tom Richfield, our producer, a very happy vacation and hopefully stress-free from me bugging him to edit episodes because that's just not very fun when you're on vacation. iTunes reviews. I I actually got a nice nice call to arms where a few of you decided to throw down and write a iTunes review. So I appreciate that. The show appreciates that. It makes the show look legitimate, cool, credible, whatever you want to call it to people who might trip across this thing because then they're like, oh, wow, this thing's got four and a half stars. Like, must be a valid podcast. So there you go. 
John sings for the band The Main, and his publicist approached me. And, you know, to be clear, I, I get a decent amount of pitches from publicists because, you know, this show now is a quantifiable commodity. It's uh, something that people are aware of. So they want to, you know, fill their press reports with all of these opportunities for their artists. Because, you know, at this point, there's no one unified thing that will get the word out there. It's like five million other little things from this interview to this podcast to this online TV show. So now everyone's kind of stacking these things up. But regardless, I get pitches from publicists a decent amount. And, you know, honestly, a lot of them, I'm just like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks doesn't really fit. Or that seems cool. But, you know, do you have to have it done by this amount of time? And they're like, yeah, we need it done now. Can you have them on next week? And, you know, I'm uh, frankly, I'm not going to shuffle my own schedule in order of the release of the episodes in order to accommodate this. So anyways, I digress. But the publicist came to me saying that John was a very large fan of the show and he specifically wanted to appear on this thing. Now, whether or not that was a tactic, I don't know because they could have just been appealing to me as a person and my own ego by being like, oh, your thing is very valuable. So they need to appear on it. But regardless, I was like, I'll bite. Let's talk to John. And then I started looking into him. Dude's very interesting for a lead singer of a band. He's, he's very enigmatic. Is that, that I think that's a word. Uh, you know, he's very cryptic on his social media and he, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of, I guess, the trappings that you might typically see for a person that has traveled kind of in the same band since he was, you know, 17 years old. And now he's in his, you know, mid twenties and the band is very successful. So I was like, okay, I'll bite. I'm intrigued. And then the conversation we had was incredible. And I'm sorry to like front load all this, but it was just a very, um, I don't know, real. And I, I could tell that, that John was very, you know, rooted and engaged not only in this conversation, but engaged in the art that he creates because it's really, really easy for me as an outside listener or you as an outside listener to look at something, you know, like the main or some whatever other pop act that is kind of, you know, filtering around the sort of warp tour world. And like I said, throw, or I didn't say this, but like I thought, throw stones and say like, oh, whatever, this is incredible. It's, it sucks. All they're trying to do is be really popular, whatever. And uh, that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, but uh, I can speak from experience that this is not the case with the main. So anyways, without further ado and front loading of this, I'll let John do the talking and I will speak to you after the jump in this episode. I took a trip of blue Absolutely. So uh, I'm I'm a little bit older than you. I'm I'm 34. So right when you guys started to kind of you know make your presence felt whatever 2007 ish or so, I uh, I was working at a record label called Century Media Records. So that's like you know primarily in the sort of metal heavy world. Yeah, yeah. But I worked with a band. Uh, now I'll take you on a trip down memory lane to see if you potentially remember the band. A band called De Soleil. They were from your area. I don't know exactly if they were in Tempe. Uh, does that band name register? It absolutely registers not um, sonically, but I, I remember seeing the, the band name a lot of places a long time ago. Right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think they started playing out in like 2003, 2004. But I had worked with that band. I signed the band. And it was one of those things where... Um, I was obviously aware of the music scene in Arizona, but it was, um, to me, it just struck me as this weird place because there were so many different styles of music coming out of a essentially culturally devoid <laughs> area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
because you know phoenix obviously has its you know artistic merits but then it's like you know you have your bands like you know jimmy world and all that sort of stuff and then you have your metal bands like job for a cowboy and it was like i don't know it was just weird and so then watching you guys like I, i me myself was not in your target demographic. So I didn't immediately, you know, buy into your EP or be like, Oh, that being said, the fact that you guys still exist showcases the fact that you're obviously credible. (laughs) You're hardworking. You know what you're doing because you got signed at such an early age. Was it, uh, was it weird for you to kind of have to sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, like grow up in the public eye and like make mistakes that, you know, were on a more larger platform than just obviously, you know, the sort of garage band days, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess the the strangest part about this whole thing has been, like you're saying, having to grow up, um, you know, grow up on a a personal level and and kind of grow up on the road and and experience things that that my peers, you know, my my schoolmates, my friends from from growing up probably will never experience or weren't experiencing. Um, I guess the strangest thing was was being kind of thrown into it from a songwriting standpoint. This is the first band that I've ever been in. This is the first time I've ever written songs to be released for, for you know, the judgment and the approval of, of not only, like like I said, my peers, but for just the public. So it took me a while to come to terms with, with uh, you know, uh, allowing yourself to make those mistakes and, and being all right with the past. And where I'm at now is, is like you said, it's, it's such a fortunate thing that we can still be a band. And I do think it is a testament to, to how hard we've worked. Um, I think there's also, you know, shades of luck in there and, and just kind of, I don't know, uh, divine intervention or whatever anybody wants to <laughs> kind of call it. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I think it's, I, I struggled with it quite a bit when I was, when we were first starting out and, and there were a few years in, in there that I kind of really didn't even want to recognize where we started and, and who I was. And, um, but now, you know, it's, 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 I think it's important for people to kind of embrace who they were and embrace what they were doing and because it all led us to this point in this conversation right here. So it's I was actually thinking about it. We, we just did uh, some dates in the van again. We were talking about our first run through um, in San Antonio and kind of just uh, in a suburban and, and just recalling like the crazy house party that we were at. It was just, it was kind of just, it was bizarre to kind of think about how many times we've now been to San Antonio and, and been around the world. And it's really cool. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Now you, now you have the distance from it to obviously have perspective as opposed to like literally just trying to put one foot in front of the other Absolutely. and like figure, yeah. figure out who you are. It, it is interesting because it's like, it's really easy to paint a band like you guys with a very broad brush of just like, dude, whatever, like here's the main, you know, kind of like a, a hype band to begin with. You know, you release your first EP on Fearless Records and have a, a large platform to share it with. Like I said, it, it is easy to look at that and be like, oh, whatever, you had all the chips stacked in your favor. Totally. But then because you exist currently and you've been through so many uh, different ecosystems from a business perspective, I think only now will people be able to realize that Oh, like, I guess you guys are legit. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Your, your fans have obviously been there from that perspective, but people, I guess, from a general sort of music sense that realize like, oh, I guess you're here to like stay and be yeah. like a credible, credible band and not just appealing to like a 13 year old girl or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I, we, we were actually talking about it not too long ago, but I, I think some of it has to do with 
age as well. Um, I'm 26 now. So it's like, I, I don't think people really, you know, maybe people my age when we were 19 and first starting out or 18 and first starting out, you might not be able to really like, if you're, if you're that age, you might not really necessarily take it as serious or you might kind of dismiss it like you're saying. And I, I think now that we've put, put some, put, put some years, on our belt and put out i guess this will be our fifth record i I think i think we've tried to make it known that it it shouldn't be about like being cool or 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 trying to like you know i think we got dismissed early on because it, it might not have been cool for some dude to listen to our band because like you said there were there were younger girls listening to our music and hopefully people are 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 coming around to the idea that this isn't about uh, being cool or being cute or being popular. <laughs> it's 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 really about yeah. the the songs. To be honest, you know, it's like all that other stuff is not only secondary, but it's like so far down the list now in our, our minds. So um, I think that 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 uh that's where our focus is now, and and hopefully people you know embrace it. Either way, you know, it, it's it's great to have the following that we, that we do and the support that we have. And, and, you know, we're not, we're not trying to sell cars. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not trying to plead with people to take us serious and plead with people to listen to our music. It, it, if it's not for you, it's not for you. You know, and that, that's how I consume music. There's some stuff that I don't even bother with because it's not for me. And I know that that, that that's the case. And, and uh, it's just really great that, that we can still, go on the road people care people don't boo and throw things at us <laughs> right, you right. Know, or, it's, it's, it's awesome yeah no you you definitely see the bands that obviously for lack of a better term overstay their welcome and it starts to feel you know like they're desperate because they don't want to um you know i guess flip the page and obviously start a quote-unquote real life or real job or whatever you'd like to label it as but that that's you know one thing that i admire about you guys is like you know there's never been uh, any feeling of desperation in what you're doing. You know, you guys have just evolved as a band. You've taken different steps musically on each record. And you've obviously been like, all right, well, I guess we're working with this label now. I guess we're working with this business structure now. And I guess that's what we'll do. Yeah. I, I feel like the desperation would have already come um, within right. the first years. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like at that point we were so malleable and so like easily susceptible to everybody's bullshit that they were blowing up our, our our rear ends that i feel like that would have been the time when we really would have probably succumbed to what quote unquote people would call selling out or, or whatever so yeah we're fortunate yeah, they, that we have <laughs> we survived that whole phase even though it, it's exciting to have a lot of attention when you are first kind of you know coming into the world so to speak like you're discussing your songwriting uh, and how obviously that was, you know, nerve wracking. But, you know, I don't envy that much of attention initially just because it is, uh, it is hard, especially when you're at a young age and you're just like, well, not only am I trying to figure out like who I am as an individual, but then I also need to figure out how like to present this band. Like that's a lot, that's a lot to put on yourself at, at an age when you frankly have no fucking clue what you're doing <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that that's that really separates the geniuses from from the crowd you know the david bowies and the the people like that who had like they were just born with that you know what i mean like it, it, it didn't just they didn't just throw it against the wall and like i, I feel like those kind of brilliant minds uh, I think that's what the, that they're not going to be another David Bowie, you know, or or there might be, but 
like for me, I, I, I just have faked this whole thing. I haven't, you know what I mean? Like it feels, yeah, it feels I like David saying. Bowie had like a complete, like drawn out vision of what he was going for. And to be honest, I am on the complete opposite end of that. Like I don't have I, what I'm trying to get at is I'm not like, I'm a genius by no means. Like I'm not even, so I, I feel like there's a select few that withstand, you know, the Neil Young's, the Tom Petty's and stuff like that, that people, you can just easily understand that from the inception of their, their thoughts and their ideas, it, it was clear what they were doing. And, and I feel like we've gone so far from from left to right, from up to down that it's like, it's kind of bizarre to me that people believe what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like, totally. It's, it's, <laughs> right. Yeah, They're like, so it's we, like, we should like this band. Exactly. Still? Yeah. So it's, 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 that's again, it's all part of uh, being really excited where we're at now and, and having kind of gone through those things and, you know, cause you, you learn each time that you put out songs and you put out uh, something of, you know, that you create, you feel like you have a better idea of, how you don't want to present that. And, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like now I'm in a, a semi comfortable state as far as like, you know, really, really standing behind what we're doing and, and, and really like having a better, better idea of a vision. But I feel like still, I, I, I struggle with that, that, um, you know, each release. So the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. A, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, I think most people can empathize with the fact of like the feeling like you're a fraud. Like, you know, when you're, when you're doing something, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, working a job or you're getting paid good money for, and you're just like, dude, what, like, why are they paying me to do this or whatever? You know, there can be a million different examples, but like that feeling of, of like, you're fooling people and they're like, dude, when's, when's the jig up, man? When are people, <laughs> what are people going to realize that like, I, I'm just as clueless as they are, you know? I think that that admission of that feeling is ultimately what, uh, you know, kind of separates the the people who, you know, whatever you could define as a poser or define as someone that's, you know, trying to be something they're not versus the real human experience, which is like, well, yeah, dude, like you can look at someone who is, you know, whatever, David Bowie or Neil Young, like all those people that you're, those luminaries within the field. But I, I'm sure at many points they felt pretty much exactly like what you're describing where they're just like, oh, I don't know, I guess I'll put on some makeup and look androgynous. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I'll do this. But then we could look at that and be like, oh man, that's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, no, totally. I think, I, I think, I, I think, um, you know, it's helped me a lot that, that kind of, I won't name names, but, but bands that have kind of, um, we, we've kind of spawned from the same era. I feel like what helps me the most is, um, recognizing how fraudulent some of their behavior can be and the way they present their material. And I, I never want to be somebody that people can, can dismiss easily and just say, I can sniff the, the bullshit. You know, like for me, I know there's a lot of artists that, that we've kind of grown up with um, from the quote unquote scene or whatever that you know, aren't for me or, or what have you, but, but, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I learn from, from not only the, 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 the visionaries like the David Bowie, but I also learn a lot of what I don't enjoy, uh, and how I don't want to be perceived and, and kind of portrayed, um, from a lot, yeah. lot of what's current still. So it's, I don't know, it's an ever evolving, but, but, but also you got to learn each step of the way. It, so totally. It's a moving target. Absolutely. Backing it up. You, uh, you were born and raised in Tempe, right? Uh, Tempe? It's Tempe. Yeah, it's Tempe, but I, I, I was kind of born and raised. I mean, when you say Phoenix, everybody just kind of gets it, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, De desert. Yeah. Desert, not on horses, but desert. Because yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Phoenix and it's definitely, um, like I said, there, there's pockets and th there's pockets of, of culture and there's obviously the sort of independent slash all ages music scene has always been, you know, pretty vital. Um, especially, you know, coming into the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, thanks to like I was mentioning bands like Jimmy Eat world and obviously them trying to bring other bands to play with them and stuff like that. But did you, uh, you know, did you feel kind of that sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, like, you know, suburban boredom, like as you were, uh, growing up or did you find yourself occupied with other things? You know, a lot of my childhood, um, was spent playing, baseball and i you know i i've always loved music but but music was always something that i just went to go see um and 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 music was always something that i just 
put on in my bedroom and, and it wasn't really until around you know like like eighth grade seventh grade when I really started to get into to like I think mp3.com was really popular at the time and I really started to like you know that was like the whole explosion of like piracy in music um Mm. So, so my father had always, you know, I'd grown up around music, but nobody really in my family was that musical. It was just always kind of either background or, or like Sunday barbecue and, and we're listening to Steely Dan or whatever. And, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until like seventh and eighth grade when, when I met a group of friends that, that had started a band, it wasn't until I met them that I really started to like, I really started to get into music and I really like started to get into going to shows and, and, you know, like they take me, take, took me to my first concert and we, you know, and it wasn't until those experiences that I, I really dove into it. So a lot of my childhood was, was preoccupied. I was preoccupied with baseball and I was, you know, I tried to get really good grades in school and, and, uh, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't until later. Right. Right. So what was your, uh, what was your family structure like? Like you mentioned, obviously mom and dad were around. Yeah. Yeah. They've always been very supportive of, of, uh, not only just the music thing, but honestly, every kind of avenue that I've gone down. Um, and they've never really been pressuring parents. Like they've never really made me feel like I have to do something and not, not like, you know what I mean? Like it was always like, you need to be doing something, but you don't have to do what it is that we tell you to. So I have two younger brothers and, you know, so I, I feel like they were also making shit up as they went with me. So it's like, <laughs> you know, cause that's always the case when you're parenting, I, I would imagine it's like, you can't watch this movie or, you know what I mean? It's like, but, but that's oh, yeah. one thing that they've always been has always been supportive and always been uh, completely standing behind me and in, in everything that I do. So what were, uh, what were they doing for, for jobs as you were getting raised? Um, well, they met, uh, I guess when my dad, they met in college up at Northern Arizona University. Um, my mm-hmm. mom was running track for their school and my dad was, uh, working towards a journalism major. I think he was working at, at a hospital when I, I was born mm-hmm. and got a job at, at a paper or something like that. You know, so it wasn't like we had, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, but it wasn't like we were, we were poor by any means. Um, yeah, middle middle class. Upbringing. Yeah, middle middle class. You know, we lived in a decent neighborhood and had a lot of friends and and kids around, so we were outside a lot. Yeah. I don't and know. did you uh, like you, like you mentioned? I mean, baseball is obviously such a, a huge part of I know a lot of kids' uh, upbringings. But was it uh, was it one of those things that you were so solely focused on it? Like, you know, did you have uh, I guess major league aspirations, or was this just simply something that you obviously did and you enjoyed? I think I was always a realist from like from <laughs> from, from like a, a young age. I think that I always recognized because I played travel baseball too. So it wasn't like I wasn't devoted and it wasn't like I wasn't committed to playing because I really love and I still love the game and I, I was very much putting forth like the maximum effort. But I think it was always in my mind, you know, we're playing, I'm playing with like major league kids, you know, like sons of, of major league baseball players. And my coach was a major league baseball player and all this stuff. So, you know, we would go to tournaments and I would really kind of, I think I would realize that, you know, I'm a good shortstop, but am I going to be, you know, Derek Jeter? I don't think so, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to try. Um, and it wasn't until like my senior year in high school when everybody's like, where are you going to college to play? And, and, and it was like, ah, I'm not playing. I, I had rather 
set up the PA system and play music through the loudspeaker. Right. I cared more about my walkout song than I really did. So uh, about the game. <laughs> so it was like, I love that. That's like when you start to pay attention to the things that are so like, you know, just completely tangential absolutely. to most people's that, that's what you're like, wait, if I care about like what I'm coming out to, so were you the pitcher? Uh, no, I played shortstop pretty much okay. uh, all my life until my senior year. I played third base. Okay. Got it. Got it. But yeah, you were, you were focused on like, Oh yeah, the music. That, yeah. That, I was like, I was like to. more concerned with like what we were talking about in the dugout and like, Hey, did I miss anything while I was on the field? And like, who are we making right, fun of on the other team? And like, Hey, are there enough right. sunflower seeds and stuff? Yeah. So yeah, this is just me projecting on you, but you definitely strike me as a person who you're sensitive. You're a sensitive guy. You, um, and I don't mean that as a disparaging remark, but like <laughs> if you didn't, if you didn't tell me that you were, uh, you had brother or two brothers, um, I, I kind of would have pegged you as maybe an only child just because you kind of have that sort of, you know, even like when I was preparing for the interview, just kind of looking at the other interviews that you've done, you, you definitely kind of have that sort of, for lack of a better term, like heart in your sleeve. And even when I could tell you were trying to protect that, it still kind of came out. <laughs> yeah. um, is, is that a, is that a correct uh, projection or, or am I, uh, or am I off on that? Yeah, I think so. I don't, I, I, it's always kind of hard to look into the mirror and, and kind of formulate your own assumption or formulate your own opinion about yourself. Um, I suppose I've always been just, I, I don't know if it's necessarily sensitive. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I, I feel like I've always been really cognizant about how people feel around me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Wow. I feel like I should lay down on my couch in my room. Right now. <laughs> I know. I I don't mean to turn this into a therapy no. session, but it's just like I. I guess the reason I, I sometimes bring this up to people on the show is because I, I definitely think that there is a. Uh, I, I personally identify with that because I've always. I mean, I'm an only child, but I definitely have that. Like, if someone walks into a room that kind of has you know, maybe bad energy or maybe they had a bad day or whatever. I'm just like, I'm so sensitive to it in the sense of I'm like, oh, um, I wonder how I could maybe alter that person's day or, totally. or oh, maybe my, my mood starts to get affected because of that. And I don't think that, I don't think that's common. So I, I just kind of sensed some of that from you. Yeah, actually it's funny. Like we, we, we had a rehearsal two weeks ago or so. And I, I like now it's, it's not necessarily like, how is everybody? But it's now more so like, how am I, how am I in the dynamic? It, like you're saying, like, what is my energy like? And I knew that I brought like negative vibes into the rehearsal and I could just feel the whole room just kind of like be sucked out of its, you know, suck the, the life sucked out of it. And I felt so terrible when I left. So, so now I feel like it's, it's changing to like, oh, am I okay? And like, am I bringing the right vibes? So I don't know. Right. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so beyond, beyond sports, like in, in high school, obviously once you started to, you know, kind of, kind of grow up like that and obviously music started to kind of pull you in, did you immediately, I mean, you said obviously the main was for all intent and purposes, like your first band. Um, did you always have that kind of desire to, you know, play um, and be in a band once you started to get exposed to that? I would go sit in on, on the rehearsals for my friends' bands, kind of just like dick around and, and, and kind of wait until they like took a break to like, you know, jump on the guitar or jump on the drums or like, you know, be a goofball on the microphone or whatever. So I, I think it was always there. I just, I, I suppose I, I was always a bit shy too, just 
I didn't necessarily like the idea that all eyes would be on me and, uh, you know, all my friends that were like front men, there was a reason that they were front men. You know, it was like, it made sense. They were the most popular kids in school. They, you know, all the, all the girls loved them. I feel like it took a while. Like, you know, when I really started to like write songs and like, even on a, on a sarcastic level, I, I did it from my computer and I did it with like a program called Fruity Loops and I would make beats and, and kind of orchestrate or arrange kind of songs. And, and it was all a joke. And it wasn't until like, my my buddy Max, I, I, I think we were covering like a Finch song. So this is like okay. in, the, in the in the years of drive through days. But like we were goofing around, and Max, the singer at the time, was like, "Dude, that's pretty good." And you know that that affirmation that like somebody else thought it was pretty good. I think those are the little things along the way that kind of attribute to to me wanting to to actually give it a, a fair shake and, and and attempt it on my own. The feeling that you're describing of like, you know, people wanting to like get up in front of other people and like sing or perform, like that doesn't uh, that doesn't come naturally, you know? Not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's like I, I, I do uh considering like what we were just talking about, you being a sensitive person and kind of putting yourself out there, um, you know, there's there's a lot wrapped up into that. So I, I can understand where you're coming from and being like, Oh yeah, like sounding like singing for a band, like that sounds like that doesn't sound fun. Like, sounds terrifying, it sound right? Sound. Yeah, it's like that's actually the <laughs> totally. last thing I want to do. I want to stand like in the back of the room and watch somebody else do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, like at uh, you know, as you're going through school, and obviously the the notion of you, you know, playing in bands and you know doing touring and stuff like that um, was probably a little bit foreign to you. Like, did you uh, you know, even though, well, like, because because you joined the main when you were like about 17, 18, right? So that was like senior year of high school. Yeah, it was actually uh, the summer right before um, my first semester of college. Yeah, so right, okay, right as it, so it was right as I, I, I had graduated. Okay, so that that was perfect timing from a age perspective where it's like you didn't necessarily have maybe, you know, did you have a plan for a quote unquote real life in regards to like, all right, I'm going to, you know, go to college and pursue this degree? Or was that always just kind of like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll get around to that? Yeah, that's the weirdest thing to think of now is like, I don't know where my head was during that time. You know, in, in all reality, high school is supposed to be preparing you for, for college and in reality, they let me kind of completely slack off senior year. I had like four classes or something like that. And I, I like got to go home when it was lunchtime. So I didn't really take senior year serious at all. Like I, I, I just did the bare minimum and graduated and I graduated with good grades. But then when it came time for college, it was like, I'm not going to class. Like I have option to go to class i'm I'm gonna sit in my room and smoke pot and like just like right. you know chill out <laughs> just hang out and i would like go i would go like to my friends classes before lunch like into a different class than was mine and just like fuck around for you know an hour just so that we could go to lunch together it was like i don't know where my head was man because i was always a really good student and then college came around and it was like the options are endless and like look at all these girls on bikes running around and like wow they're not wearing any clothes and it's like what's right. going on around me it's like what is this place so i think i always would have been like oh yeah i'm, I'm getting a business degree you know what i mean and just done those really 
kind of blanket things that would have just, I don't know where it would have taken me, but yeah, I think I've learned now that it, it, it would be, if I could do it over again, I would have gone very specific right off the bat and, and really tried to focus in on something uh, from the get-go as opposed to like, I'm taking the history of graphic design. Like I don't even have any, <laughs> any sort of right. interest in this at all. So yeah, no, no, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, like because relatively quickly. I mean, w- I would say less than a year when the main obviously started, and you guys, you know, uh, started to put together songs and stuff like that. Fearless was was pretty interested right away. So you did have kind of a. Uh, I guess something you could concentrate on while you really weren't caring about school, so to speak, right? Absolutely, yeah. I I think, uh, you know, we got our first, like, two mixes back for the first songs that we recorded. We got those back on a snowboarding trip that I took with with ASU, with uh, the university. And that was in Colorado. And I just remembering, like, so that was around, obviously, winter. um, And I just remember being, like, really nervous about showing the people that I went with. Um, but at the same time, they were my great friends. So I knew they wouldn't be like, oh, this is wretched, you know? So it was, yeah, from, from like that point, from winter on, after I heard us like recorded, um, I'm like, oh, this doesn't, you know, stink terribly. It's like, we can actually maybe do something. So I think from that winter on was when, when I really like kind of focused all my energy on, on, the main. Did your parents, even though obviously they were supportive, I'm sure that they expressed some concern when you were like, hey, so we're going to sign this record deal, mom. I'm like 18 years old and we're going to go like tour and stuff like that. We're going to do it. Um, did they, uh, did, was there, did that cause any friction where your parents were like, like terrible decision? What are you doing? Well, there's, or was it, there's always, was it, was it a little easier? Yeah, there's always been, I feel like that, that slight apprehension, like the, the, the uncertainty for us even to this day is what what kind of pushes us to work hard. But at the time, it, it, it kind of worked in steps. It was like, okay, we're playing our first show. And okay, there's like, you know, 100 people here. And, and you know, mom and dad are there. And, and you know, okay, there's, there's actually kind of a show. So like, it's on a stage and there's actually a PA. And then the next show and then kind of, uh, hey, we're going to go on tour this summer. So it didn't have anything to do with school you know, it wasn't going to, to overlap with school or anything. So it was like, you know, I actually got some pretty bad grades, if you can imagine from (laughs) those those two (laughs) semesters. And, um, I mean, I got a a very stern talking to, um, from my father like that, you know, the, the disappointed talk. Um, and that was right around the time where I was having to ask if I could go on tour that summer. So I think that they caught, wind and they they got the vibe that i was really serious about what we were doing um i think that apprehension that they had was was like well how 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 successful could this really be how you know where (laughs) could they really take this um so i think that that summer um you know it it landed in a really good spot because a lot happened from that summer on uh, enough so to where i said hey I, i i'm thinking about taking this year off of school and we had had enough lined up, you know, with with signing to Fearless and with kind of our touring schedule that it was OK. You know, I got the nod and, and, and it was all right. So fortunately for me, like my schedule just, I think, worked in my favor to the point. 
point where it was like, Hey, you know, it wasn't even a, a conversation the second year that I was missing school. It was like, I have so much on my plate now that, uh, I'm not going back. So yeah, you had more, it, it's always easier when you have more, uh, tangible things to exactly. show. Something like, to go off right. of, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. as opposed to like a pipe dream, that's like, Hey, me and the buds are going to eat ramen and like, we're going to do this, you know? <laughs> I think it really, right. honestly, they they gave me a credit card because um, they were very concerned with us like sleeping in the car. They said, you know, if you need to, to get a room or something like that, you know, here it is. And I think my dad probably expected me to like kind of rape that card into the ground and, and you know, and like really use that uh, just kind of willingly. And I've I've since they uh, since he offered me that um, I've never asked them for a dime which is 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 kind of i don't know fulfilling in a way you know it kind of is a testament to to the work that we've put in and um yeah it's a, point, know, it's a point yeah, of pride absolutely yeah, yeah. i understand and, and i've never had to ask him for money and he brings that up sometimes and you know i think it's it, it was it was cool it, it, again it's kind of like that kind of momentum um it all just kind of well, worked in our favor. It, yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, that, that you're describing is a, is a rite of passage when it's like, you know, the, the parent says to their, you know, son or daughter, where it's just like, oh, wow. Like, okay, you're, you're, you're doing it on your own. It's not this, uh, yeah, it's not this thing that's just like, oh, great. I'm gonna have to subsidize you for like seven years while you get your Absolutely. feet on the ground. <laughs> Absolutely. And so then, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to take you through the complete history record by record of the main because that's well documented. But um, it, clearly you guys did uh, a lot in regards to you've had multiple partners with varying record labels. And, you know, you've gone from indie to major to indie to self-released. And but you personally don't strike me as a person who I guess in the early days of the main, like you, you're not you don't strike me as the business guy of the band or am I? wrong in that assumption uh no you're you're, you're pretty spot on uh because okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every every band always has that like one dude and not to say that like you you strike me as a a lazy asshole or anything like that but there's just there's that usually that one guy that's kind of like oh like they have their eye on on that no but, um, a- absolutely you're spot on and and it's it's our drummer patrick um okay and he's always you know even from the the day i met him because our, our our manager tim is actually his older brother um and he tim's been my best friend since sixth or seventh grade um so oh, from wow. that moment that i met tim and, and then met pat pat's always been he's always been that guy uh, you know we, we would go on vacation in california to their beach house and and pat would would ride his bike down to the library for wi-fi because he wanted to hear the new My American Heart song or whatever band was going on. You know, it's like he's <laughs> right, always right. been that way. So, you know, when it came time to like assume roles, that was, it was so easy. I mean, it was a no brainer. You know, it's not like, you know, we don't care about that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very much a part of, of, of what we do now. But it was far easier kind of partitioning off, okay. Uh, you know, I, I just accept the idea that I'm writing the songs and he just accepts that he's going to, to market those. And, and I, I, right. it, it works gonna... harmoniously now, you know. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it, there's, it's no slight to people. You know, there's always going to be people in an artistic collaboration that like aren't going to care at all about how they're delivered or presented or if they're on a label or they're not on a label. They're just like, whatever, dude, like, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, because like you said, you kind of partitioned it off like that. Did the, uh, you know, I guess moving around from record labels and having all these different expectations placed on the band, um, did, did that kind of like, I wouldn't say influence your songwriting. Cause obviously, you know, just your surroundings influence the songwriting, but did you not having to be primarily concerned about the sort of business side of things, make it easier for you to kind of, I guess, create in a vacuum or, or did, did that kind of bleed over on the influence? Um, since, since those first kind of meetings, even before signing to fearless, I've always been turned off by the forced small talk and the forced weird business conversations that, that I've had to be a part of. I've always been like, I don't know. I've always kind of thought like, well, why these guys are trying to like make it seem like we're, we're not signing a contract, like we're forming a friendship. And I always thought that that was just ridiculous. So I, I know that for the second record, we, I was thrown into this co-writing ordeal. And it was like, you know, it was our first time on a major label, first album. I really wanted to to play nice in the sense that like you got a huge group of people working for you and I felt like it was a complete like give to get kind of thing. Um so I was kind of you know the Jedi hand kind of waved in front of, in front of my eyes and and I just we agreed to to write with a bunch of people and um I felt like you know in retrospect it helped me immensely with with my own songwriting but i don't think it necessarily promoted uh how i was feeling at the time or who i was or what i wanted to talk about yeah so i think a lot of the personality was stripped on the second record well that's that's it's very interesting because i do think i think it's something that you know just doesn't occur to you know i guess younger fans of, of music when those those co-writes are such a um i, I mean I, it's such an anecdotal story that i have in my own head where it's like uh i my my old band did a lot of stuff with uh, a lot of touring with a band called alexis on fire yeah, and yeah. obviously Dal- obviously dallas green become you know becomes who he is today but because of his rise in prominence he's been thrown into many of those situations where it's like you know i wouldn't be surprised if for whatever reason he was on your list of people to write with but like 
when you're coming from this kind of world of, you know, independent music and you're put in these rooms with these people who you're kind of forced to make a connection with, it's, I mean, sometimes it can make sense, but then most of the time it comes really across as a very stifled and limiting experience. You know? Absolutely. I, I think age difference along, like aside, I think background in, in, in music and, and just history of songs that, that the people that, that we were writing with had written, it was just like, I don't even, I can't even think of it. Square peg in a I round don't, hole? I don't want to use the actual song, um, but there was an instance <laughs> because the person was really, really great. So I'll just say it was basically yeah. like s- similar to us writing a song with the person that wrote Mambo Number no. 5. And and okay. this, th- it was like our A&R was telling this person um, you know, these guys really love Tom Petty and, you know, it would be great if they wrote the next American girl and the person the or people, uh, I'll keep it broad and keep it vague. Um, sure. you know, they, they took the, the backbeat from American girl and, and that was the template for, for a song that we wrote. And it was like, you know, luckily it didn't make the record and, and but it was like, just, you know, very shocking to me at the time that it was like, this is how you write songs and this is where X song came from. It's like the the lack of, it's like th- this is a formula to these people and it wasn't even, I think that, that it was very discouraging in that regard, but like I said, very, uh, a lesson learned for sure of, of how I don't want my music to to feel and, and, and I want to make sure that mine's coming from a p- place of, you know, complete earnesty and, and sincerity. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. You, you want to come from a place where it's messy as opposed to, like you said, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'd be remiss. Like I, 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 I saw this in, in a few interviews and I, I find it. So, um, I probably find it as funny as you where I think I've only had one other person in the history of this podcast that has inspired fan fiction and that's Davey Havoc. Um, and he has a, a lot it, to me. It's just such a funny idea of people becoming so invested in not only your band, but then obviously you as a person. Um, and then obviously creating narratives of, of whatever it is that they write. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't going to take a deep dive into that because I didn't, I, I didn't want to uh, expose myself to that. You've always made it pretty abundantly clear. Like, uh, you know, your, your social media presence is there and it exists, but you've obviously, you know, you're for lack of a better term, more private online than I guess one would um, assume for a lead, you know, a, a lead person in a band to be. Yeah. Um, and I presume that is very deliberate on your end. Like, you know, your, your, your Twitter feed, definitely reads as a uh, you know a philosophical journey as opposed to like dude buy our sick new single or whatever you know <laughs> and i'm sure that's a deliberate choice is that uh, that's something that you've obviously um i guess taken as a point of pride that you're you're doing that or that that came from a place i presume yeah i mean i don't necessarily think it's a p- place of pride and, and and i'm sure some people kind of write it off as as pretentious but I've never been one to really be involved with the idea of, of a persona online. Um, and, and maybe to, to a fault, you know, I, I'm sure if I posted, you know, a bunch of pictures of myself every day on, on my Twitter or on my Instagram, maybe I would have more followers or, but I think it, uh, it all stems from, like I was talking about earlier, I never really saw myself as the lead singer, the, the spotlight. I, I never really wanted it on me. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've, become more and more comfortable, um, with, with kind of assuming more responsibility 
for for being the voice of our band and being you know trying to be more of a you know the go-to guy but yeah i think like i i think it comes from a place of like me not giving a shit about what so and so had for breakfast you know what i mean like i i don't care like <laughs> i i right. care more about like you know asking questions and like posing ideas and you know however outlandish or crazy they may be i i i would rather get people thinking and get people talking than you know than delivering them what turkey sandwich i had for lunch you know what i mean like i sure. i think that that's the the fan fiction thing i will say that 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 like is really encouraging to me um from a, a creative standpoint for, for kids, I, I, or for not even kids, I don't want to say kids, but, but just, you know, yeah, the people, people, people creating, creating, I think that that's such a, a and I don't know, like a, it, it's very odd in the age that we live in that, that somebody would, you know, that they would take the chance and write and like create and like develop these own, their own ideas about this person. I think that that's really great. And I think that, more of that would be awesome in, in, in our society, you know? In, yeah, I never, honestly, you just saying that kind of triggered something in my head of, of my own personal experience where it's like, you know, whatever, when I was a kid and I was like, whatever, seven or eight years old and I started to, you know, play with G.I. Joes and like, that was around the time when the movie Aliens came out and then they made action figures of the aliens and then in my own head, I was like, dude, I can play my G.I. Joes versus, versus aliens, aliens. Yeah. and I can have this huge world. Like I would do these, you know, two or three day story arcs where it's like the space Marines would go down and like, and that, that what I described right there is exactly what people are doing with you on the, on the internet. I mean, hopefully to uh, a much more mature degree <laughs> than, than G.I. Joe versus aliens. But yeah, I, 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 I see the encouragement of what you're talking about because it is, you know, while it's easy to label as, you know, batshit crazy. There, there takes creativity in no, it. No, totally. And I think in a society where that, where it's all solely about, I guess, see, seeing somebody in a boat, you know, seeing somebody buy a boat and then wanting to see that boat sink as, you know, like it's all a, I don't know. We live in a place where it's like, it's all about, you know, seeing that person on Facebook kind of, be up on on the top of the mountain and then fall down and everybody you know it's like i, I feel yeah, like it's a spectacle it's a spectacle and it's like a, a place where we all like laugh at idiocy and i think a place where people are creating and and people are actually you know do, doing something of like i don't know some sort of worth as far as like contributing to this land of, of destiny. They're doing work. Yeah. They're, 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 doing... they're, they're adding, you know what I mean? Like as crazy yeah. as it might be, they're, they're taking something and, and they're making something more out of it. And I think that that's like really commendable. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, I think you may have just changed my mind on fan fiction in, in that regard. <laughs> well, didn't, I didn't, didn't, I uh, like didn't, wasn't 50 shades of gray. Wasn't that like, absolutely inspired oh, by yeah, fan yeah. fiction. I, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was de that was that was definitely inspired by that. And so, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's you know pop culture worth out of it, but yeah, I I guess I didn't really think about it from any sort of internal perspective where it's like, oh yeah, like I mean, it's much better that that exists than some you know negative comment on YouTube. Totally, like, yeah, the, that, it, it, like much better that than like a weird picture of somebody in their backyard swimming. You know, like right. like you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
kind of, kind of in that same regard, you know, even though people have spoken to you for quite some time in an interview perspective, when I was doing my, you know, preliminary research and granted it's very cursory and I don't do a deep dive into it, it, it seems that, uh, you're a relatively private person in the sense of you don't publish a ton of, like you were saying, you know, whatever, take a selfie a day or something like that. Not like that indicates who a true person is, but would you label yourself as kind of a, a private person and you're, you're, I guess, selective about what you show people? Yeah. Again, I, I keep making correlations to, to kind of growing up and, and, you know, I, I feel like I've only assimilated myself into the crowds I have after really finding out uh, who they are and, and why I should call them my friends. So I feel like the same kind of, I take the same stance online. Like I, I don't presume to know shit about, about people that I've never met on the internet. And, and, you know, it, it, that's really easy to thing to do is pass judgment and, and to kind of formulate assumptions about, I don't know, actresses or actors or whatever. I've always kind of kept that in mind too. Uh, I, I like to keep things vague and I, I'd like to think that if you just had a normal conversation with me, you'd find out far more than you could online by doing a Google right. search or, or looking up you know, what I tweeted that day. So I'd like to think that there's far more depth to, to my character than than just a few lines on the internet. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I yeah. like to keep it. I like to keep it relatively private. I, it's like what, I also think like what what would I really want to learn about somebody? You know, like if I really kind of dove into it, and I don't know. I just don't want to learn all that much unless I'm listening to it from the, the you know the horse's mouth. So. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, that, obviously, that's like why this show exists. It's you know to yeah, give people absolutely. Right. Give people a platform in which to, you know, not just regurgitate the same, you know, 20 questions Tour they get asked about. <laughs> right. yeah. Dude, tell me, tell me about the craziest prank you pulled. It's like, oh, okay. That's, uh, enough, yeah. enough of that. Enough of that. The, the last thing I wanted to hit on was, um, you know, because of having to, you know, grow up, make mistakes, uh, all being, you know, relatively in the public eye, um, not in the, you know, the Us Weekly mainstream world public eye, but... Did you uh did you ever have to struggle with the idea of obviously being like John from the main versus like obviously the person that you are because you know I definitely see a lot of people falling into the trap usually just because of their age of like I'm this person from this band and that's what defines me and then you obviously see the people that kind of surround that person of just being, you know, it's a completely transactional relationship, but there's no real, I guess, depth to that. So did you ever have any struggles with that where you're just like, oh yeah, like not even so much that you thought you were cool as shit, but like the identity that was, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, thrust upon you because of your, your role in the band? I guess from my perspective, I don't think that I've ever th thought that my shit didn't stink. I'd like to think that I've always been the same person from far before we started this band. I am that same person. You know, obviously, you know, growing up and, and changing as a person just just naturally happens. But I'd like to think that I've always been that good-hearted, um, sincere. Uh, I can even throw in sensitive now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got um, to the bottom of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'd like to think that that's remained true. I, I don't think I've ever been really caught up using using our platform as some sort of status or anything like that I, i've always been and i think that the, the you know a little bit of the humility and and 
being humble. I think that that's also part of the reason why we're still a band. I think that people understand that we've never necessarily viewed ourselves as anything different. And if anything, I promote the idea that I'm just a kid that was going to college that started a band because I feel like hopefully that would inspire somebody to do the same and not just, Oh, let's go on tour, but Oh, let's, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to, you know, paint a picture or compose a symphony or what have you. So, you know, early on it was, it was a bit tough um, because I, I felt like, you know, when we started on MySpace and going on on different threads and different forums, I I got caught up in you know being being worked up about you know things people would say and just kind of the dismissive behaviors that that people would kind of show and and I don't know just just reading comments. It's so funny because my mom, when we first started out, she would go online as well. And I didn't even know that she knew one, how to operate a computer or two, how to like (laughs) get into the forums that, you know, that these people were in, but, um, you know, she would bring it up to me and that's when I realized like, Whoa, this doesn't mean shit. You know what I mean? Like these people's, uh, you know, comments and opinions online have nothing to do with who I am as a person. You know, it's like, and that's when I told her to like put it all to rest, like go and let that let that lie and, and just, you know, if things are like weird with me, I'll come to you as my mother, not, you know, I won't like go online and put a, you know, put a blog out about it, you know, so it's like, I, I guess that's the only time I struggled with, oh, that's, that's just the dude from the main, and, you know, he's a dick or, you know, he's doing drugs or whatever it was, you know, it was like. That was I, I only struggled with it early on, and and again, fortunately, uh, I've gone gotten past that and 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 survived it. Yeah, it's understandable too because of obviously, I mean, anytime anybody opens themselves up, you know, even just from the perspective of obviously playing in a band, like whenever you know criticism or hearsay or rumors or whatever start to get lobbed your direction, it's like it, it's instinctual for us as humans to be like defensive or bummed, like, you know, we're humans just like everybody else. So it's like, Absolutely. it's understandable that it's understandable that you went to that and are just like, Oh, well like, you know, the first comment, it's, it's so easy for you to see it and be like, well, you know what? Fuck you then. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, totally. then and you actually write that down and you, you, you send it out and then it's like, Oh, uh, that's fruitless. Like what did, did I change that totally, person's yeah. mind? Like <laughs> I've only, I, and, and fortunately for me, I mean, I have good friends that like, we, we kind of filter each other's shit too. So it's like, you know, <laughs> right. don't say that, dude, you're opening up a can of worms. And, and fortunately I've only had like probably like two times when I've ever like responded to somebody. And then it, you know, it becomes a little thing for like 15 minutes that day. And then the heat is over and then it's like, Oh shit, I probably shouldn't have done that. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, well, lesson, lesson learned. Moving exactly. on. <laughs> Well, dude, I really appreciate you uh, hanging out and uh, dedicating a, a nice uh, chunk of your day to me. I, I appreciate the conversation. It was uh, it was fun for me. I hopefully it was fun for you in some no, capacity. No, I had a great I had a great time. Yeah. So that was John. Very introspective. Like I like it when a person doesn't consider certain things about their life until they're speaking about it to someone like myself. It'd be like, oh yeah, I guess I am kind of a you know really sensitive person or whatever. And, at that, you, I, I notice moments in these conversations I have with people where it's like they just immediately go inward and are like, oh, wow, I never really thought about my life in that context. And I don't know, it's just, it's always really special. So anyways, 
Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, Lindsay, his publicist, for being very sweet and, and approaching me with this opportunity. And thank you to you, the listener. I never thank you, right? That's just, that's dickish of me. I apologize. So I thank you for those of you that are still listening to this. Tom Richfield is the producer, as always, best friend forever. And uh, visit the show, 100wordspodcast.com on that website. You can donate, you know, if you're feeling ever so generous because this thing doesn't pay for itself. And uh, yeah, until next week, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.